This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Good morning to Craig Ellum. So, um, all right, let's let's be circumspect about this. A big, big rebound on Wall Street last night. A feeling that there is going to be an eight billion, well, there will be an eight billion dollar stimulus package that may help. Day before that, an interest rate cut. The IMF has pledged fifty billion dollars uh, to, well, internationally to help people. Um, you know, I have to ask you this question. I mean, I know exactly what you're going to say, but let's do it in any case. Where's the true value in all this? I mean, you know, that we're again seeing these massive, massive share um, fluctuations, aren't we? I mean, for all we know, there might be a crash tomorrow. In fact, today. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's still potential that the, things could take a turn for the worse. And when you, we still don't know what the full effects of the coronavirus are going to be, the full economic impact. Uh, we haven't had um, solid data yet that are gonna, is going to highlight just how bad things have already got because I think mm. there is still an element of naivety about all of this that we're hoping it's not as bad as we fear. And on the on the plus side, we've got interest rate cuts, we've got stimulus packages, etc. So it's all good. Uh, and, and people are very caught up on the fact that we corrected just more than 10%. So that, there's your correction. Now we can yeah. start buying those dips again. Right. So I think so, there so is what, going to be what, another shock, what, what would If you were looking for an indicator, you said that you know we, we haven't had anything that's and 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 we do know that anything that attempts to put like a gdp measure across countries um is is so out of date well in fact it's it's constantly revised it's even worse Mm. isn't it um so that that's never really an exact indicator of what's going on again if you look at china well you never really know about china because it's relatively opaque never mind what its official figures say so what 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 do you actually look at i mean you know you you obviously speak to people all day long is it a mood um is is it Where's, where's the actual concrete evidence of what's going on? So you, you, you tend to look at a, a selection of things, to be honest. You, do, you tend to look at first, first and foremost at the surveys. That gives you your earliest indication yeah. uh, on how business activity is responding. You do then look at things like employment readings. Uh, yeah, GDP, people still want to know uh, about the GDP and what impact that has and what's affecting it and what's driving it. Um, and then corporate results, uh, ultimately, they're going to give you your biggest indicator in about six weeks' time when we start seeing earnings season get underway and we start seeing what the ultimate impact on the bottom line is going to be and also how CEOs and how the boards uh, view the medium to longer term impact of this uh, and exactly where it, where where they are being hurt. So th- th- there's there's a variety of things and it's all, it's a case of timeliness as well. People want to know right now where things are impacting. Well, the only data we really have now that's freely available is things like PMI surveys. So mm. they're the things that you have to look at initially. And a lot of people are obviously going to be making predictions and, and trying to anticipate various things. But... Uh, but it's very difficult to know without the underlying figures. And then you're obviously looking at what people are doing, right? So you're looking at the fact that the IMF has announced the $50 billion stimulus package, the World Bank $12 billion, the Central Bank, uh, the Federal Reserve, a 50 basis point rate cost of 0.5%. The Bank of Canada yesterday doing similar. Others are, are expected to follow. Part, uh, central banks in Asia have done the same. And you've got to ask yourself... Would they do this if they didn't think this was quite this has the potential to be quite severe? Of course they wouldn't. Uh, so the, you're looking at all of these things to try and get a gauge of how bad it's going to get, and then ultimately you're going to guess. Uh, and there's going to be a wide range of guesses because this is not an ordinary event that people can uh, re- relate to when making these predictions. So it is extremely, extremely difficult. But it is also encouraging. I do understand why investors are a bit more encouraged now than they were a week ago because we've had the G7 meeting earlier this week and. But the message that they then released afterwards was very vague and uh, non-committal. 
And since then, we have had various central banks quitting interest rates. The, uh, the, the intent of them, I think, primarily is to stabilise financial markets, remove panic from financial markets, and also ease any tightening uh, liqu- uh, credit conditions uh, that would naturally appear in these kind of situations. And then that needed the step two, which was going to be actual mon- uh, a- actual funding from uh, uh, support from various agencies mm. and governments, and we're starting to see that as well. That shows a strong commitment. It doesn't mean that things will all be perfectly well and good and that there's nothing to worry about but that we needed we and we continue to need these things to happen i had some relatively wise words pushed in my direction the last time many years ago when there was a, a similar stock market crisis and somebody said to me you know the truth of it is that no good company or very few good companies go bad overnight so i think what he was trying to say there was you know there are still fundamentals about aren't they and, and we should still all these investors should still be looking at the true value of companies yeah, absolutely. That that's extremely that's extremely true. What we have to remember, though, is there's many small and medium-sized businesses who do rely on the constant flow of liquidity and do rely on invoices being paid yes. and do rely on short-term boosts. And then there's also companies who rely more on certain times of year than other times of year who rely on certain events. So you think, um, let's take Tokyo, for example. If the Tokyo Olympics were going to uh, be cancelled um, over the course of the summer because of the spread of the coronavirus... Other companies who have invested heavily in anticipation of a whirlwind of, of income as on that on those Olympics, and how will they be impacted? So, the, I mean, that's just one particular event, but there's events all around the world every 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 day. We look at something that I'm sure we'll talk about soon with Flyby. Yeah. Companies which, yes, they were already bad, but they were doesn't mean that they were going to go bust. There's companies which are actually in a good position, but as soon as you introduce cash flow problems, then all of a sudden you go from a, a healthy company that's doing well, it's got great prospects, sure. to sure. one that's that's that, that, on life support. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult, but this is why the government support is so incredibly okay. necessary. So let's turn our attention, if we may, to the United States. A surprise success for Joe Biden. Bloomberg's dropped out, but pledging money for Joe Biden. Um, again, are you beginning to feel as though political change in the United States is impinging on the markets or not? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. It's probably a little more likely than it was a couple of months ago because... Uh, let's face it, when you're a president that's facing re-election and you're either in recession or you're in uh, in a market where the where everything's going well and you've got le- decade low unemployment and uh, and you're growing at a steady rate, then it's a very different prospect. So there is obviously an increased odds of Trump being beaten at the back end of this year. I still don't actually see it happening. Um, it's, it's almost a shame that uh, Mike Bloomberg has, has fallen out because I think I said a couple a few months ago when we were talking it would have been really interesting to see Bloomberg versus Trump uh, for many uh, for many different reasons but let's be honest the only reason he entered into the race was because Joe Biden's poll ratings had become so bad that he believed that there needed to be a centrist candidate on the ticket uh, to run run against Trump so the fact that Biden performed so well on Super Tuesday uh, means that it, can, it made sense for Bloomberg to then drop out because he performed so poorly uh, and just back him both uh, b- both publicly but also financially as well uh, and try and get him on the ticket for that, uh, for that run-up against uh, Donald Trump. So, yeah, I mean, it's no real surprise that he's chosen to do that. The big surprise was obviously just Joe Biden's performance on Super Tuesday itself because in the caucuses that led up to it, he performed really, really quite badly. Mm, okay. Uh, now let's turn our attention to Flyby as we said we would. Um, 
<coughs> no surprise here. A perfect storm for them, unfortunately, isn't it? In difficulty to start with, and then coronavirus adds to the um, the cash flow problems. Yeah, so this this kind of falls in one of the categories we were talking about earlier. This mm. is a company that already wasn't doing very good, that was already on the verge of administration, that looked as though it secured support from the government in terms of tax deferrals um, uh, and financial support from from some of its backers in order to just keep it going. Uh, this is still an important company or was an important company for the UK because of the amount of domestic air travel that it does cover. It was quite a controversial um, rescue uh, in a way from the government because uh, of the um, of the focus on uh, on emissions right now but also it came under heavy heavy criticism from companies like British Airways uh, and I think EasyJet as well uh, because they was they, they they believe the government was effectively intervening in the market yeah. potentially um, uh, intruding on opportunities which it presented for them yeah, so, so so in terms of its assets, then it's got its landing slots, presumably, hasn't it? It's got its it got its planes. Never mind the planes for a moment. I mean, could somebody go in there? I guess they could. Well, they they absolutely could, and and this is where we've got to see whether what whether these um these claims, these these issues, these criticisms that these companies put forward against the rescue were founded, or whether they were just opportunistic. Because if if the likes of BA and others had a genuine criticism of, of this uh, because they think that it intruded on potential business opportunities for them, then there should be no shortage of people vying for these slots um, uh, uh, over the coming weeks now, which means that the regions who are heavily reliant on flyby planes and the, the staff who are employed by flyby should have no issue being re-employed um, and redeployed. Like it, it, it's, it, But you never know how these situations are going to unfold. Um, there's some areas, there's some airports which are hugely, hugely dependent on uh, Flybe. So we need a resolution quickly. Otherwise, there's going to be plenty more businesses who are going to fall into the second category that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Businesses that like, appear very healthy, but when one thing goes wrong, and coronavirus has been blamed for this because it's kind of been the final nail in the coffin for Flybe. Um, what about all those businesses who exist in these airports? So you've got these regional airports. What about all the businesses who are who are sure. now sitting in those who yeah. don't have people flying in to actually utilise the business? And, and others as well. And briefly and finally, um, the new Bank of England boss, uh, Mr Bailey, does not back an immediate virus rate cut. Um, but he said, didn't he, when he was talking yesterday, that, um, that the Bank of England would help where it could. Um, is that encouraging, do you think, or do you think it ought to have an interest rate cut? So we have to remember that the Bank of England doesn't have the leeway that the Federal Reserve has mm. earned over the last couple of years. Interest rates are currently around half a percent above what the uh, what the Bank of England believes to be the, the 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 lower bound. So they may be looking at alternative measures. So back in uh, 2016 during the Brexit vote, they cut interest rates by 25 basis points, but then uh, then restarted more quantitative easing on, on corporate bond purchases and things like that. I think they're the type of measures similar to the ECB that the central bank may be looking at in terms of in terms of kind of emergency measures to try and deal with any downside of the corona virus how in other words how can the central bank support these companies who as we mentioned earlier in the show are likely to be facing uh cash crunches uh, effectively how can we alleviate some of those pressures that'll probably be more a far more effective use of their monetary policy toolkit than cutting interest rates by 50 basis points which let's be honest when you when you can't get your hand on cash isn't going to be very helpful Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed. The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. 